This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right. You are rolling with Jason and John, 929 FM ESPN. Uh, happy Monday to you. So much to get to from over the weekend, including this. Yes, yes, that sound. The Memphis Grizzlies picking up their first win of the season last night, finally. They are in the win column at 1-6, one 112-100 road victory last night over Portland. I got two words for you, Brad Carson. They are Bismack Biombo. Needed it, too. He was good, uh, especially after blowing what was a 10-point lead with about three minutes left in regulation on Friday in a two-point loss to those same Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, ended up going to overtime. You had the lead there late, end up giving it up. Uh, in a game last night, you're down double digits in the fourth quarter. Again, against those same Blazers, you are able to return the favor. And thank goodness uh, you didn't want to be coming back here to Memphis 0-7. Uh, obviously, you know, frustration building, everything else. And, and while, you know, nothing solved, you wouldn't say, uh, was good to see the reinforcements. Santi Aldama out there, Luke Kennard's hitting shots again. And then we talked about Bismack Biombo, or we will, what he brought to the table with uh, Xavier Tillman, a late scratch. Bismack getting the start. Liked what I saw from Mr. Biombo. We'll discuss that, as well as the Memphis Tigers football team winning a third straight game over the weekend, held off uh, USF 59-50 at the Sim. Despite losing Seth Hennigan and Blake Watson to injuries late, we'll hopefully learn more on those two's statuses for Saturday's road game at Charlotte during Ryan Silverfield's press availability, his media availability, which I believe is happening later on this hour. Memphis now 7-2, and 4-1 in AAC play. They continue to take care of business. We can go back and forth on the dramatics of things, but at 7-1 now, 7-2 now, 4-1 in conference, you've set yourself up, take care of business against Charlotte, and this is the classic you know, sort of uh, trap game because you could right. be looking ahead to SMU and the big opportunity that's ahead of you in a couple of weeks if you can take care of business against Charlotte. I don't know if you saw it over the weekend, Brad. Air Force goes down. Tulane, obviously, right now, the highest-ranked group of five team, but Air Force falls. You've got Tulane sitting there. If you could just get your way to the AAC championship game, and again, that required taking care of business this weekend against South Florida will require doing the same against Charlotte next week. You can possibly, again, see a scenario where maybe the Tigers are, again, in contention for a New Year's Six. Right now, just focus on making that AAC title game. Focus on uh, finishing. Finishing. Remember, that was the off-season mission. That was the off-season theme, the preseason theme coming into this year for Ryan Silverfield and those Tigers. Finish. They were able to do that, even with Seth Hennigan on the bench to end that one. Uh, Nick Saban, Alabama, 
statement win, certainly over the weekend over LSU. We'll get into that. Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. Sets up a big one for the Rebels this week. They're at number two, Georgia. Statements also made in the NFL uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. KC made one of those. My Dolphins, my AFC Super Bowl pick before the season, just can't win the big one. Uh, And KC proved it over in Germany. Uh, defense really won this game for KC. We will talk about that. Philadelphia certainly made a statement last night beating uh, Dallas. Baltimore, Cincinnati Bengals I've got down Mm. is also making statements. Memphis men's basketball starts today. Uh, Tips off Penny Hardaway's sixth season as head coach. Of course, he will not be there tonight when the Tigers take on Jackson State as a heavy favorite. tonight. I think it's 21-and-a-half. Last I looked at the line, Jackson State coached by Mo Williams. No, Penny won't be there. He's serving a three-game suspension. This is the first of the three. I had to go back and, rem- and, and remember. Somebody asked me this morning, somebody from another staff, why is Penny serving the three-game suspension? They couldn't remember. I had to go back and remember these are level two recruiting violations, a visit that was made and in home to a, a 2023 prospect in 2021. Hey, that's too early. Remember, Penny said wasn't sure of the rules. It was him and an assistant that went. Uh, mm-hmm. this is the uh, this is the punishment for that three games that he's serving. Again, two of those are by games. This one you'll play Tony Madlock's Alabama State team in the third game. The big one is obviously Missouri this week. Uh, we will get our first at least regular season look at the Tigers tonight down at FedEx Forum. We said Tigers big favorites, twenty one and a half point favorites. Memphis women's soccer headed back to the NCAA tournament. We have keep been keeping you abreast mm-hmm. of how good that team is, and more importantly, how much of a national title contender it is throughout this season. They took care of business in the AAC tournament for the third straight year. They are AAC tournament champions, and we'll find out later on today with their NCAA tournament selection show uh, what they'll be seated. Last year, I'm pretty sure were unseated. Uh, going into the NCAA tournament, remember they made the run to the Sweet 16. This year, for my research, my crack research, Brad, looks to me like three seed possibly in play, which I think, I think, don't hold me to this, but I think it will mean hosting a first-round game here later on this week. So a Memphis women's soccer team that had huge huge expectations going into the season and has come through on them, headed back to the NCAA tournament. We'll find out who they're playing, seeding, everything else later on today. Should be right after. I think that'll happen for you uh, uh, with Jeffrey and Giannato later on this afternoon. Again, 3 p.m. on that selection show. And, uh, oh, this was nice. I must mention it. Nice little write-up in the Daily Memphian over the weekend by the great Don Wade who I used to work side-by-side with over the commercial appeal. I was absolutely, I'll be honest with you, I was stunned when he texted me a couple of weeks ago, said, hey, man, uh, interested in writing a story about you. You you switched careers there, go from newspaper to radio, second-generation journo, um, and you've changed career paths. Interested in writing? I said, Donald, you sure? Uh, That was my initial (laughs) reaction. My my final reaction after I read the piece yesterday was one of just complete uh, gratefulness, Humbled by the fact that he uh, spent that time with us here, I thought had some uh, just it, uh, it captured me in in, in, a, in sort of a way. And I, and again, seeing your screw ups and you know successes and failures all out there for all to judge, you never know how that's going to go. I just appreciate the kind way he sort of handled it. I kind of laid out my heart as I kind of do in that interview, and I just appreciate the way he crafted that story, the way he wrote that story. So very appreciative to Don Wade and the Daily Memphian feature, if you hadn't gotten a chance to read it, uh, about the show. Forget old Jason Smith. Uh, about the show that he and, uh, and his brother, John Martin, have put together. Very proud of the show we put together through seven years here, and very, again, thankful to Don Wade for taking the time to do a story about it. Before we get to all that, let's set up the show. This is usually John Martin's job. 
For those of you all listening to us right now, you're probably wondering why I've droned on so long without John interrupting. Remember, he's got jury duty today. Oh, yes. So he is down at, uh, I got a report, it sounds like among the millions downtown. Yeah, he says like a million people. Well, there's down. a lot of people. It, it, it always is. Well, yeah. It was at least the... I don't know, it was 10, 15 years ago that I got called down for jury duty. They put your big room full of folks. You wonder, like, uh, can, the, can the city keep going? You got all these people down <laughs> yeah. here. Is anybody working today? Um, we'll see what happens with John. You, yeah. you never know what jury duty is. Is he going to get called in? Is he going to get sequestered? Is he going to get put on? We, we have no idea. But as for today, we'll know we'll be without him. So I'm covering everything for us today. And, of course, I've got my man Brad Carson beside me. So you're not going to miss a thing. We'll get through it all because, again, this was a big sports weekend, a lot to touch on. Uh, y'all know how we do it by now. Rundown at noon, and we've got Respect Burgers at 1 p.m. C.J. Stroud, I'm just going to tell you. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, he broke the rookie record for passing yards Ooh. in a game that once belonged to Andrew Luck, and it was the way he did it and and, and the outcome uh, that, that came as a result mm. of C.J. Stroud. Uh, he was one of the, the big eyebrow raisers of the weekend in the NFL. Baltimore's win over Seattle, they could just – Continue to shine, Lamar Jackson. So we'll, we'll do some respect burgers at 1 p.m. And then, of course, Jason Fitz of Yahoo Sports and Fox Sports Radio scheduled to join us at 125. We'll talk NFL with him. The Raiders firings that we had not gotten to uh, about Alabama's win. You know, uh, Nick Saban says, you know, this is the best game we've played. Certainly was by Jalen Milrow. My goodness, was he good for them. Was that a targeting on Jaden Daniels there late? Thought they should have. Uh, Jeffrey's Michael, absolutely right. Yeah. We were all screaming at the TV. You've at least got to review that. Yeah, you do. Was really surprised that they didn't. Once once Daniels was done, so was LSU's chances mm-hmm. uh, in that ball game. And right now, you know, Alabama maybe maybe under the radar to some, maybe not so much to others. But they have set themselves up for a path back to the college football playoff. It's right there in front of them if they keep taking care of business. Uh, so that's the show. We'll talk about that with Fitzy. Like we said, John Martin doing his civic duty today. Uh, we'll review his picks. Uh, the weekend lines, what the Sharps are saying all when old John gets back. You know, he handles that uh, for us all. For now, though, and we're going to flip this today. How about some cap or no cap? Cap. It means lion, but built different. Now, it's cap. I'm going to say cap. For no cap. I'm going to say that that's no cap. On 92.9's Jason and John Show. I am very excited about this because we are going to flip it today. Excited. Yep. Yes. Uh, Brett asked me coming in here, hey, man, what are we going to do? You need me to read off the cap or no cap? And I said, no. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to take control today, like and we're it. actually going to put it on you. We're going to put the it. heat lamp on you. I'll be asking the questions, yes. and we'll see what Brad Carson's okay. reactions are, cap or yeah. no cap, because you know by now how this goes, right? Yeah, I follow. I yes, follow. you figured I like it out. This. You've this been with us a long yes. time now. Been, you know I've how this there. goes yeah. very well. So cap or no cap, okay. our first one. Yep. Grizzlies, after picking up that first win of the season last night, that elusive first win, you get it over the Portland Trailblazers, about to go on a winning streak. Cap or no cap, Brad Carson? That, first of all, thank you for making it a little easy to start out with. Usually, I mean, John puts you on the spot when you're doing cap. He usually or no does. Cap, so you never know where we're going to go. And now we got you on the spot. That is cap. Um, that is an easy one. They will not go on a winning streak. They have the heat on Wednesday. Just start there. Just start there. Yep. That's that's an L. Two right? and four heat, 0 oh and three on the road, Brad. I understand that. Um, Slow start for the Miami Heat. Yeah, but but looking at what they've got and what we don't have, I mean, it was great to get Bismack Biombo in the lineup. He had 11 rebounds. He had like eight points. He, they used all six of his fouls. I thought he was great. 
I did too. For I did what you exactly need what right you need. now, right. absolutely. So, you know, you get some reinforcements. You need to get healthy. You're just not healthy enough. So I say that that they're not going on a winning streak. That's cap. What do you think? I think that's a very logical answer by you uh, for a team that is one in six right now. And like we said, you haven't solved anything. Yep. Uh, you've still got to go. Uh, what seven to eighteen more games without Ja Morant? Mm-hmm. So we know, you know, you're you're not in the clear. Certainly, <laughs> right. after getting a win over the Portland Trailblazers. That said, I'm going to go on the other side here and say it's no cap. Okay. Back to the point. The Heat slow start, two and four, zero oh and three on the road, and oh by the way, the other team you'll face this week, the Jazz, mm. they are also zero oh and three on the road. And and it's more importantly, it's what you're getting right now. I can't say enough for what Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. are doing. I was tough on Jaron after that season opener, um, but he has been fantastic and stepped it up. Last night, he's 11 of 18 from the floor, and the thing that you like the most in that is that he's 10 of 14 yeah. from inside the arc. Remember the first game where he's outside? Again, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this with Jaron throughout his career, uh, and the Grizzlies have done a good job of, like we said after that first game, getting him in positions where he can start that offense inside. Yep. You know, use that back-to-the-basket game. And so, again, 27 points, 7 rebounds. You're getting uh, on a pretty much nightly basis. While the shot might not be there every night for Desmond Bain, you are getting 110% effort <laughs> yes. and usually great production. You did, again, last night, 30 points. He goes 13 of 27, 3 of 9 from 3, but he's also adding 8 rebounds, 5 assists. So back to the point. Mm-hmm. The two stalwarts yeah. are playing really well right now for you, and it's been mm-hmm. a matter of getting everybody else up to, well, really just getting the reinforcements back. Santi Aldama was back last night, and you could tell he'll be shaking the rust off essentially for a while, seven points, five rebounds. But again, you had him for 20 minutes. Luke Kennard is making shots last night, 15 points, four of six from three. Those are real NBA Mm -hmm. players, credible NBA players that defenses have to take account for. And so, again, it makes the job easier for everybody else. If you're making the case, again, that the Grizzlies – I, I'm not talking seven, eight-game win streak here because you just you, you look past Miami and Utah, and it's about to turn up in terms of the teams that you're going to face. But what I am saying is with the way the stalwarts are playing, with the fact that you finally got Kennard hitting some shots, Bismack Biombo's addition, you know, while I think last night he's obviously a late scratch for Xavier Tillman, his job is to come in here and be that – Harrington's talked about it. It's absolutely true to be the defensive presence when Jaron Jackson's off the floor. But last night when the two of them are on the oh, floor together, they were fantastic defensively. And I just wonder what's – you know, and we'll see what you get you know, from Bismack against Miami. But I just wonder now, do you have a decision to make in terms of, well, okay, we know he's here to be that defensive presence when Jaron's mm-hmm. off the floor, but what about together? Right. Could we move Xavier Tillman – to that reserve role because, it, again, it just makes you so much better. It felt like last night. Again, it's against a shorthanded Portland team. Yep. You can't, you, you no, can't throw everything into yep. it. But you look just so much better, active defensively, everything else when you've got the two of them on the floor together. So we'll see if it can work. I, and, and, again, I'm not ruling out the fact that this team is probably still going to need a major move mm-hmm. come trade deadline, whether that's help inside, something else. Bismack Biombo is not going to come in here and be the fix. Right. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're going back to five and six seed range uh, by the time this thing is over. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what he can do right now for this team, like I was telling my son this morning, in terms of leveling things out, uh, I think there's a good possibility, again, if Bain and Jaron Jackson continue to play the way they have, if you continue to get you know, some bench production, last night you were able to outscore Portland's bench, mostly in part because you get 15 from Luke Kennard. You get seven from Santi Aldama. You didn't have Conchar last yep. night, so you're, you're still shorthanded, but what you're getting back, again, I go back to that word, 
incredible NBA players yeah. now. And so with the reinforcements against some teams that have started slow, obviously we've seen Utah, you know what they're about, but with Utah and Miami both off to two and four starts, both off to winless starts on the road, I think you can get some mojo going. Remember the Grizzlies? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the game against Denver, the Grizzlies played well at home. Again, and they've played better here. Um, I just think there's an opportunity here to put together at least two, and two counts as a winning streak, uh, as you know, Brad. <laughs> yes. To put together two or three here this week, and hopefully again, you know, that win last night, you could feel it for in the, the post-game press conference afterwards. Huge just for... You know, staving off frustration. Right. The, the, you know, when 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 you're Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, and you feel like you're doing everything you can, mm-hmm. and yet you're not getting the result. After a while, that can get frustrating. So you could feel sort of the relief yeah. last night. The fact that you're coming back home on a W rather than a 0 and 7 record, and again that frustration still festering. So it felt like. Uh, you're the last one in the NBA to get a win. Nobody's talking about you. But it certainly felt like something big to get that one, especially the way you did it. Brad, there was a time there in that fourth quarter they're down 10, Mm -hmm. and it's really looking like 0-7. So, again, two nights after blowing a 10-point lead late in the fourth, uh, with your best players shining, you're able to come through in this one and uh, and and uh, I pick up a big win. Uh, although it feels weird saying big when it's over a shorthanded Portland Trailblazers team that nobody expects you much. You had from. to have it. I mean, you, you had you, you, you had, said you had to have all it, of these games. You had to have. So it's like it was sort of playing like a game seven, you know, because yep. it's like we got to get off the schneid. I do think you, you mentioned the bench. I think they'll go on a win streak and, and starting with Wednesday and win Wednesday's game against a lot of these teams that like like the Heat because they're they're undermanned right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Lofton hits a couple of threes, he hit one. Lofton if, early was yeah, good. I didn't mention he him. looked good. All those guys are in the plus side except for Gilliard, who only played eleven minutes. But if you look at the the line, like if their bench plays like this, they'll uh, they'll beat the Heat. And uh, I think you're right. I loved what I saw from, real quick on this one before we move to the next, I loved what I saw from Lofton last night, and he got, again, 10 minutes, five mm-hmm. points um, on the bench. Bismack was coming off the bench, and Lofton, who, uh, again, I'm putting myself in his brain right here, but you look at Bismack Biombo signed with the uh, sixth game now with John Moran out, brought onto the team. A lot of people talking about Grizzlies going to have a decision to make once Jaws back with that roster spot. Who do you cut if you're mm-hmm. keeping Bismack Biombo? And a lot of that focus has been on Kenneth Lofton. And and I know he's hearing that. You know, I know he yeah. hears the whispers. He you know he hears uh, reads everything else. And you know whether the Grizzlies going to do at that point. And and still was watching his body language on the on on the the sideline. And I'm thinking if I'm in that spot, I'm not giving Bismack Biombo the time of day. Right. Just I, I know you've got to be a professional, but I'm just in my mind. No, he, I get it. He, he, in my mind, he's here to take my spot. That's right. And so last night to see him as positive as he still was on the bench about his situation, high fiving Bismack as he came off. And then to take advantage of the time that he was allowed, got in earlier yeah. than he had. I, I felt good for Kenneth Lofton. We could still be looking at a situation where his days here are numbered, but I, I, I really appreciated the way he handled himself again in a situation where you could be looking, you know, high fiving your replacement yep. uh, here in a couple of months. But Lofton took advantage of the uh, of the time that but was allotted to him. Last you, night. you think that Biombo should start? I think Biombo should continue to start. I think and they bring should lo- consider yeah. it. Yeah. I think they should consider for what it does defensively. I think. The, Again, Tillman's had some good games, yeah. but the last three he has not been good, and so mm-hmm. you're you're not in a position where everything's set. You're you're uh, what are we talking about here? You're one and six. Nothing should be set <laughs> right. in stone yeah, at yeah, this point. Right. And so if I can get a better push now, now again, you get both of those guys in foul trouble. Yeah. You know, a, a, as versatile as, as Xavier Tillman can be defensively, we saw him last year on LeBron. He ain't a he's not a rim protector. Right. So you get both Jaron and Bismack in foul trouble because they're both starting. You got a real mm-hmm. problem again with who's coming off, what defensive presence you have then. But I think Brad, just from what we saw in the first game, it's something that you 
absolutely should consider because, again, last night you're out-rebounding Portland 49-47. And, no, that's not super impressive, but you've been getting clobbered <laughs> yes. at times this season. And so, again, and, oh, oh, by the way, three blocks yeah. last night for Bismack Biombo. So it's, it's, yep. it's what he's doing uh, already from a defensive standpoint and what he adds with Jaron. It just makes you a completely different ball club defensively. Again, I'm not – I need to see more, Brad, in mm-hmm. terms of where I'm at because you do need that defensive presence when Jaron's out, but I would definitely consider if I get more like this yes. from Bismack, we'll see how long Tillman's out. Again, he was a late scratch. I would consider playing the two of them together. Jason, I like the way I like the way because Jaron's clearly not. He doesn't do what Biombo does. You know, the rebounding down low, a lot of the the dirty work. The I mean, he does block the ball, but he doesn't. I guess he doesn't block it the same way. There was one play early, and you probably saw it, where Biombo blocks it, and they get on the break, and it's Jaron leading the break. It's pretty cool to watch a, a seven-footer do that, you know? A hundred percent. Listen, Biombo, in a way that Tillman doesn't, uh, can rebound for you, can block shots, and for you underneath that basket, and, and, and allow Jaron, again, to roam. Yeah. Xavier Tillman, if he's going up against bigger, stronger centers, and a lot of the times he's, he is, yeah. you've still, you, you don't have that advantage inside while Jaron is roaming. Right. Again, as, as I want to tip, you know, Xavier is a versatile defender, yeah. but in terms of, uh, of, of, of rim protection, he doesn't give you what Bismack Biombo does. Right. And so, again, from that standpoint, it just allows Jaron to be Jaron even more, it feels like, when he's on the floor. Again, can they continue to do that? They, it wasn't the plan last night with Xavier Tillman being a late scratch, but maybe you've come up on something. Maybe you've found a nice little new wrinkle. We'll see how they go. They may try to. They may decide, you know what, it's better just play it safe. We'll bring Bismack off the bench when Jaron's, uh, when Jaron needs a blow. Uh, but right now, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, uh, helped get you a win last night, as did the, uh, the reinforcements that you brought in. Okay, moving on. Yep. The NCAA did DeAndre Williams and the Tigers wrong. We got the uh, word on mm-hmm. Friday after the show, obviously, that DeAndre Williams' appeal had been denied by the NCAA. His career at Memphis is over after, what you say, Brett, 15 yeah. years of yeah. being here. Uh, fantastic service by him. No, seriously, DeAndre Williams goes down uh, as a great Tiger in the two and a half seasons that he played here. But certainly a, a deflating, to say mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the least, uh, 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 release to read from Memphis yep. as you see the news from the NCAA on Friday. All that said, we've discussed this ad nauseum, what Memphis is without him. Yeah. Right now, I think Jay Billis got him 42 in the country out of his top 65 or 68 or whatever it was. We've seen others, uh, including Bart Torvik, have them in the 30s. Ken Palm's got him in the 30s. Um, back to the yeah. question, the original question. Yeah. The NCAA did DeAndre Williams and the Tigers wrong. Is that cap or no cap BC? <sighs> That's no cap. They, based on the precedence, and, and this is from the attorney and what the attorney is telling us through the University of Memphis, based on the precedent, and by the way, I think this sucks because their ceiling, and I know we're going to talk about that, but with him, they're unbelievable. But I also think they got screwed like based on precedent because um, based on some of the cases that Don Jackson was working with, and this is why they went in, I think, and that's why they, they were going down this path, and that's why they went back and forth with the NCAA. Um, it, it does sound like they got screwed on this one. So I, I think that's no cap. You surprised me. Um, and I, and I, it, but I do recognize, and I'm open-eyed, open, you know, I'm open enough to to recognize, and and I know that the jokes are flying. We're having fun with the amount of years he's he's played. He's 27 years old. He's had a, an eligibility waiver already from Evansville. We've went back and forth with the NCAA on that. There was a COVID year, so you're talking about sixth, possibly seventh year. 
So there's there's some stuff that goes with that, and and we sort of joke about it. But all jokes aside, I think I'm open-minded enough to recognize that the University of Memphis wouldn't have gone down this path if they didn't think they had a real case and spent all this time and made it such a distraction when the roster's already really, really strong, and they're going to have a great season. I'm really excited about the season. Having said that, you don't do all this unless you don't think you have a real case. So I'm, I'm going to say that's no cap. Um, again, not to be contrarian here, I'm going to go that it's that it's cap, that it was always a long shot. As much as we'd, I'd love to chalk this up as NCAA tournament, NCAA, excuse me, always does Memphis wrong, and we certainly have uh, in the past. I think once you got down to the details of this case, and even for Don Jackson, who had won in a similar case with a Division II athlete. That's the and, case, in yeah. that In that case, though, that athlete had been misadvised by the school he was trying to attend. In this case, there were the, the misadvisement that Memphis has pointed to with DeAndre Williams for that ineligible first year at Evansville came from, as Don Jackson's pointed out, an NCAA certified summer coach, but not someone at Evansville, okay? A high school teacher mm. or high school coach, th- those, those folks are not at the institution that you're trying to go to under the un- NCAA's umbrella. Mm. So, again, if someone at Evansville had misadvised him on what he needed, and then yeah. he's ineligible there, that's a different case. That's more like what you've got in Division Two. W- once we got to that point, mm-hmm. trying to find out who it was that had misadvised DeAndre, and, and you, again, you get down to the t- details of it, y- you always figured it was going to be a long shot with the, dump lens, with the NCAA. Number one, they're not in the business of doing Memphis any favors. We know that. And if they can rule against you, they probably will. I, I don't feel like, again, with the information we had, as much as I – you guys, y'all know where I was at. I wanted DeAndre Williams on this team just because, again, there's a different level of excitement. There's a different ceiling level for what no this doubt. team can do no if they've got DeAndre Williams. And, and frankly, mm-hmm. you can make a case that he deserved it. You know, that Evansville was a hot mess that year when he gets there. Uh, Walter McCarty, the mess that happened there, yeah. uh, his back issues there. You know, I make a case that he deserved another one. But, again, with the facts of it and who had advised him, that's not anybody that uh you know no. the NCAA has to has, can can point to and say yes as a one of our representatives you got this wrong so we owe DeAndre Williams another year mm. there just never was that and I hate it because I what was it as recently as a week and a half ago John had pointed out had heard that you know there were positive signs the questions that the NCAA had come back with seemed of a positive nature and this felt like it was going in a in a positive direction after. For, for about three, four, five weeks there, mm-hmm. maybe longer, looking like, no, you're not going to have DeAndre Williams, um, had felt like maybe the tide had turned. It had not, obviously. It's, it's a blow for the Tigers in the sense of what your ceiling could have been. That said, I still think this is a possible Sweet 16 team I agree. with what they've got. And so were you done wrong by the NCAA? Eh, probably not here. Again, because of the facts of the case, were we all rooting for DeAndre? Absolutely we were. Um, but... I just, you know, I look at what Penny has on this team. I look at what year he's in, sixth year now, having learned, you know, a ton through his first five years of what you need in college basketball, what you don't need, how to construct a roster. Uh, as 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 deflating as the DeAndre Williams news was on Friday, um, it's I, I feel good for this team that now and now it's probably a good thing that you didn't practice with him right. or plan to have him any in the preseason, can move forward knowing what they've got. You were already going to have to uh, 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 a job on your hands in terms of figuring out pecking order and everything else yeah. on this team. And yeah. so at least now it can start. You're not throwing in another body right. that you didn't have in the preseason. And uh, I think, you know, come Friday, 
uh, after hopefully Memphis handles business tonight against Jackson State, and we'll talk more about uh, their opener as we go here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but come Friday, you're going to you know, be a more talented team than the one you're facing at Missouri yeah. in a game you desperately need to win, quite frankly. Again, if you're hoping to improve your seating, NCAA tournament seating, get out of that 8-9 spot, you need to win games yep. like Missouri on Friday. Well, and Jeff Borzella pointed this out when the verdict came down Friday, which, by the way, I'm, I'm glad it happened when it happened before the opener because it, it, it removes a distraction if the NCAA sort of draws it off and goes back and forth with you. So you, it, it's not a great thing for us, but you, you're at least focused. And then the second thing that Borzello pointed out on Friday when he reported this was they're still one of the oldest teams in the country because of the transfer portal. Because mm-hmm. if you look at those those starting five they've got, I mean, they're like 23, 24 years old, basically. So you, you feel pretty good about what you got. I, I actually think this is Penny's best team. And I know that sounds ridiculous because you don't have DeAndre Williams. They would have really been the, his best I don't, team. I don't think it sounds ridiculous. You don't? No. Okay. Because some people have said that they're like, well, they don't have a Jalen Duran, they don't have because, a Precious now, Achua. I understand. You know? I understand that point. And you look at okay, the the, uh, the NBA top end talent, yeah. And you you've had you've certainly had better talent up top, those guys at one and two than you've got this year. But if you look, you know, top to bottom, yeah, at this roster, um, there is way more talent because again, you you look at you're replace, you're replacing the Demaria Franklins. And the Elijah McCaddens with David Jones, right. Joneses, uh, 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 you know, uh, Caleb Mills, Jaquan Waltons, these guys that have been leading scorers at their previous schools. And so your role players, and again, you know, Quinley is a step down offensively yeah. than Kendrick Davis was, but your role players in top to bottom, you're more talented. Yeah. So if it comes together quickly, it's got a chance to be, you know, his best, uh, it's got a chance to be his best team, I think, from a talent standpoint and from a, you know, from from a, a accomplishment yeah, standpoint, we're on the same page. There. Um, this is a team that, again, last year Penny's so close to what could have been, and frank, frankly, should have been, mm-hmm. because if you get by FAU, then you're playing fairly Dickinson. You're you're right there in the Sweet 16. You were so close. He right. had the formula right last year. Didn't work. There are no promises. Uh, just because you bring all this talent in here, that you're going to have the formula right again. But uh, key for me. Being again in the 100s in turnovers, for whatever reason, Penny Hardaway's uh, teams have been, you know, uh, characteristically bad when it comes to turning the ball over. They were much better than they had been last season. We're talking about we're talking about last in college basketball type bad until you got to last year with Kendrick Davis. And I went back and looked. You were in the 180s or 190s. This out of 350 some Division One teams, but that was good enough to where last year we weren't talking about a turnover problem. No. What what you have to avoid again, and I think you will with Javon Quinterly. Yeah. A guy who's a gamer at the head of the snake, even with all these new pieces, is being back in the 350s yeah. like you were for two years ago, three years ago, like you've been for a lot of the time. Uh, and, again, I, I don't want to pin that on a player, uh, but what was clear is Kendrick Davis cleaned up a sure. lot of turnover issues for them. They, they weren't best in the country by any means, yeah. but they were good enough that we weren't talking about it as a problem last year. You weren't giving away uh, free possessions over and over, team scoring off your turnovers. Last year, finally, you got that cleaned up. Hopefully it stays that way this season with uh, with Javon Quinterly. Yeah, and I, I know that he's not, I think it will. he's not the player that Kendrick Davis not was. Not offensively. But, but sometimes... I don't want to say it's you don't need a player like that because you always need a player like Kendrick Davis. But sometimes with team basketball, having a point guard that has a role and is 24 years old and just solid as hell, it's it's really good. It's it's damn it's it's really all you need. You know, yeah, yeah. it's good enough. Yeah. All right, moving on. Next one. Yep. 
It's okay to cry on a college football field. Ooh, this is good. This cap, is a good one. Cap or no cap? I heard Jeffrey talking about this with with Jeff this morning, um, and I've read a lot about it because people seem to be this is a this is a hot topic. You know, you got an NFL player crying after a loss to Washington. Um, it's okay to cry. I say well, he's not an NFL player yet, but he will be. You're he right. will be soon. Um, Caleb Williams, Brad is referring to. Yeah, I, was it? The, was it his mom? He was in the arms of. He went up to mom and that. I, I, it row looked like it looked to me like mom came into her she, arms she and put him. his head down. I could tell it was a, definitely a family member, and I hadn't read the story on it, but you saw it over and over again. Uh, Caleb Williams crying it's in the okay. arms of a relative. It, it's no cap. And, and, I, well, I, it wasn't just that one too. I want to bring in too. Okay, good. I don't know if you saw that, I, the I word mean, was that Seth Hennigan. Two oh. in Memphis's win over South Florida. Now again, for different reasons, and this comes in a win was very emotional. I put it that way on the sideline upon finding out that he couldn't go back in the game. Remember, oh, Seth yeah. again, again. Hopefully, we're going to get an update on his condition. Uh, he was not able to finish the game. Tevin Carter was mm-hmm. this this uh, this weekend against South Florida and did a good job uh, filling in for Seth and finishing that win off. But Seth Hennigan on the sideline, non-throwing shoulder injured, got very emotional apparently as well. So two different instances yeah. where we had it going on. Listen, I appreciate the the um, I, I, I appreciate the emotion from Seth Hennigan. I appreciate the passion from both of these guys. I, I I'll be real honest with you, Caleb Williams. Over the last three four weeks now, as USC has played its way out of. Pac-12 contention or anything else, um, in terms of the NFL questions of him and whether he'll be the first quarterback taken, I think there are more questions now uh, uh, than there were no four or five weeks ago yeah. when most thought he would be the number one quarterback taken. We'll see what happens. I mean, Drake May is obviously going to be in contention as well. Mm-hmm. But whether it was the you know the the interceptions he's thrown, or more importantly, uh, I mean, you saw the the Notre Dame game there, or the. I want to have a stake in a in a uh, a football team. I want to be yeah. part owner. No, no, it doesn't work like that. I, I just think with his play, there have been more questions. I don't have any problem with him being emotional after a uh, a forty two what fifty two forty two loss to Washington that again yeah. puts you out of contention. It's your second Pac twelve loss, and I imagine Caleb Williams comes into the season as the Heisman Trophy winner, figuring it's his destiny sure. to win a Pac twelve title in his final what you figure will be his final year there at USC. So I don't mind the emotion. Actually, I appreciate the emotion from both him and from Seth. If Seth's was indeed it wasn't from the injury itself, it was from the fact that you're not going to be able to finish this mm-hmm. game. How could you not appreciate that in a game where he's, uh, you know, you're, 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 I'm not going to sit here and go crazy, but you've, you're taking care of business. What was it, five touchdown passes sure. for him in that game? So you can understand absolutely the emotion that he can't finish that one out. Yeah. And I do think, yeah, in these circumstances, again, we ain't talking about somebody crying over an injury or on the field or whatever else. I think bo- in both instances, both men, and Lord knows I cried over the weekend myself, uh, both men were just that mm-hmm. in terms of letting that emotion out. Uh, I don't mind it. Again, I'm not docking Caleb Williams in terms of his draft stop because yeah. he cried at the end of a game. Um, it tells me how bad he wants it. It tells me how high he set his expectations. And i got to say, it, in a season where, and we were on Seth Hennigan through those first few games when he was leading the AAC in picks, in a season where those expectations have been high on him, Seth Hennigan's come through for you. Yeah. There, there's no question about it. While others have said, has he taken a step back or has he regressed, um, he's sitting here at a point where he's got the Tigers again with just the two losses, one in AAC play, and if you can take care of business against Charlotte, and hopefully he can go in this one, uh, we'll get a you know we'll get some word, hopefully today of whether of how bad, just how bad that shoulder was. Again, it was so bad he couldn't finish the game. Yeah. Um, if you can get him for Charlotte, it sets up a huge opportunity for him. And just like I was excited for the Tigers and the opportunity they had 
here a few weeks ago when it had Tulane. They had mm-hmm. put themselves in position to get a win that, again, nationally would turn some heads. Yep. You've almost got yourself right back there. And Blake Watson got hurt at the end of that game, too, so it's yeah. not just Seth Hennigan. But you've almost got yourself back in a position to have a similar opportunity, an opportunity, again, that can catapult you, hopefully, well, to the uh, AAC title game. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Crying in football, if, you, if you're really going when, through in it. In the yeah. situations that, appara- that yeah. uh, uh, happened this weekend, again, I had yeah. eyes on Caleb Williams. We were all watching him as that game. Uh, uh, you saw Seth Hennigan. I think uh, it flashed, and some people were yeah. tweeting about it, those kinds of things. But, my, again, I appreciate that sort of will to win, that want to finish it off, that sort of passion from Seth Hennigan, especially in a year where, well, again, whether it's for him or for this yeah. football program, you know, you you, you got to finish. But both of those teams are doing too much on offense and trying to do too much because their defense sucks. You know, USC just let their defensive coordinator go, and for Memphis, we'll focus on Memphis here, like, you can't give up 50 points in a football game because, I mean, you can, you can score 59 probably against South Florida, but you're not going to be able to do that against SMU, you know, and that's a real problem for you. Yep. Uh, uh, again, you know, this you, you have to give Memphis credit. They have been uh, yep. fantastic at home uh, during, the, you know, under Ryan Silverfield. They were at least in getting the job done uh, this weekend. And, uh, again, I'm just hopeful they can take care of business, don't 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 look past Charlotte yeah. and get yourself an opportunity in a couple of weeks. I think the time yep. was just announced on that SMU game. I don't have it in front of me, but I think Memphis. It sounded like it's an yeah, afternoon game, which will be perfect. Mm-hmm. You had thirty thousand. It sounded like uh, on Saturday mm-hmm. for USF. You beat Charlotte, and hopefully you've got a nice crowd on a fantastic day. Eleven uh, o'clock kick for the SMU morning game. kick for yeah. for that so SMU 11 game. Eleven Central. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I like that eleven o'clock. Hopefully, the weather's good. It looks like uh, this is the eighteenth, but uh, yeah, don't yeah. go, don't go looking past Charlotte. No, don't you're be, right. Don't be like them. We that, need to play four quarters is, of football, though. We need to complete, you know, the second half, first half, because that seems to be one of the. Um, the no question about it. All right, last one yep. uh, before we move on. Before we take a break, Joshua Dobbs proved again that he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Joshua Dobbs, with no practice, yeah, having just been traded to the uh, Minnesota Vikings to replace, really, Kirk Cousins. Uh, and he wasn't intended to replace Kirk Cousins this game because he had literally just gotten there. Uh, Jaron Hall ends up being the starter. Mm-hmm. He goes down to a concussion, and with no practice, no snaps in practice leading up to this game, Josh Dobbs, who was basically traded from Arizona because he was giving them too much of a chance to win, yeah. uh, leads Minnesota to a 31-28 win. Again, no practice, goes 20 of 30, doesn't throw any picks, 158 yards, uh, sacked three times, but he was fantastic in this game. Again, gets the uh, Minnesota Vikings, another, puts them a game above 500. At one point, they were out of, the, of contention. They are back in contention for yep. a wild card spot at five and four. Now four and one on the road. And Josh Dobbs, man, seven year journeyman, yeah. uh, tr- has been just living out of a of a of a bag. Yeah. Essentially, comes in with no snaps. Uh, uh, essentially, uh, the the Vikings coaches sending him in the plays and mapping them out yeah. in his head. Here's where this guy's going to be. Here's where this guy's going to be, and gets a win over the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know if it says more about Joshua Dobbs who's as competitive as they come and shows you can get it done no matter what the circumstances are, or the Atlanta Falcons, who, uh, uh, again, a guy comes in without yeah. taking a snap and is able to beat you. Arthur Smith, uh, our man, uh, FedEx, son of uh, FedEx yeah. founder Fred Smith, got to be hurting today when you lose to uh, Joshua Dobbs, who hadn't had any practice with the Vikings. Should Joshua Dobbs be a starting quarterback in the NFL? That is no cap. Now, is he, an, is he a pro bowler? No. But... 
he is the first quarterback to throw three TDs in games for different teams. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. First player to ever do that consecutively when he gets in the game. It, so, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it doesn't. But we saw what he did with I the Titans. Able to do that with no practice. I mean, the Titans when he played for them played pretty good. I mean, he wasn't doing what they're doing now. But um, no, he's an NFL quarterback, and I think you can you need passable backups, and you need passable, especially in Minnesota. You know, with Kirk Cousins, he's not an all. I mean, he's he's a good player, but you know, so you need a passable quarterback like Josh Jobs. I think in this category, you'd probably put Minshew. You'd probably put uh, you know what Fitz, Fitzpatrick probably falls into the passable quarterback. So he's an NFL quarterback. I think so. I think I think again, I don't know who it's for, but I don't know that there are what thirty one other quarterbacks in this league, thirty two so. other and thirty two other quarterbacks in this league that I put before him. Again, the guy gets a win without any practice. Yeah. What happens if you actually put some time into him <laughs> and give him a chance to be a, a starter? I bet he's better than uh, Garoppolo, might be better than the rookie the the Raiders have got O'Connell. Who knows? But I think Josh uh, Josh Dobbs has shown at this point that he belongs in the NFL and uh, probably as a starter for at least a, a bad team. I know I've seen worse quarterback play this season from other guys uh, that are you know penciled in as starters. Doesn't matter where you put Josh Dobbs. Doesn't matter if he's practicing or not. He'll come in and and lead your team and maybe to a victory. I yeah, mean, Titans put him on that playoff game. What? Short, yeah, on short he notice, played pretty it? well there. He played well at times for all the teams he's played for. So yep. I, he's pretty good. Well, I appreciate you letting me flip it onto you it. here. It's fun. When yeah, well, no, when you, you know. when they put you in the hot seat and we didn't let yeah. we didn't give Brad any time to prepare. We didn't give it to him beforehand. It can be a little tough in that hot seat, but I thought you uh, I thought you handled it well. You had you had it prepped out. You were good. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right. We'll we'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Tigers basketball season starting off. Uh, like we talked about over the weekend, huge NFL weekend, a big win for the Kansas City Chiefs defense over the my Dolphins, who have just cannot beat good teams. Uh, plenty more to get to when we get back. You're listening to Jason John, 929 FM ESPN. I'm Chelsea Messenger helping you beat the books with BeckQL. College basketball gets underway on Monday night, and the BeckQL model has a play between two Power 6 teams. Oregon and Georgia face off today from Vegas as they tip off the season. The Ducks return three of their five starters, while the Bulldogs are still rebuilding under second-year head coach Mike White. The BeckQL model likes the Ducks in this one taking Oregon over Georgia. Bet smarter and beat the books with BeckQL and down This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today. Memphis basketball opening up its season down at FedEx Forum tonight, 7 p.m. It's weird to start on a Monday a little bit, but it is uh, jumping right on in because, again, you got Jackson State tonight, and we've mentioned it a bunch. Missouri coming up on Friday. 
a super important game already, your second game of the season. Penny Hardaway serving a three-game suspension to start the year for some level two recruiting violations over a coach's visit a couple of years ago. Uh, again, happened in 21. Uh, this was a 23 prospect. A lot of people have kind of forgotten what Penny's even suspended for uh, because, of course, you've had the IRP in here and, you know, you're going back and forth the NCAA on DeAndre Williams. But, yes, you will not have Penny Hardaway tonight uh, when the Tigers are on the floor. You'd had him for both exhibitions. That suspension starts tonight. You won't have him for Missouri on Friday. Uh, Rick Stansberry, who you hired this offseason, accomplished coach, no question about it. Old Slick Rick. We know a lot about Slick Rick. Um, who was it? The, the Boise State kid that he got last year right before. Oh, yes. Remember uh, him? The Boise State uh, transferred to Memphis. A, uh, the kid was – it was first day of classes. I, just, I, I hadn't uh, thought about it. Otherwise, I'd have his uh, name written out. But that Boise State kid that remember last year. Was it the ACOT? Yeah, that, that's him. Uh, yeah. Old Slick had pulled, pulled, pulled him from you. He's a cool like recruiter, man. He can classes. get it done. Like, well, now he's, uh, now he's helping you not just in recruiting in NIL, where yeah. he's, he's been – what you hear has been uh, super – for the Tigers in that department, but he's obviously going to pull some, uh, get back to his old coaching roots and be out there at the front tonight. Tigers are 20 to one and a half point favorites against this Jackson State team that is coached by Mo, Mo Williams, the former NBA point guard, is in his second season at Jackson State. Went 14 and 19 there last year. He came over from Alabama State. If that rings any bells, yes, that's where Tony Madlock is. Tony went to replace Mo Williams at Alabama State, and you'll see them, Memphis will, in the third game of the season. So uh, mm. uh, Penny keeping it within his NBA roots with Mo Williams playing him. Also, again, with his Tiger roots, going to be playing Madlock in the third game of the season. Ken Palm tonight's got this as a 19-point Tigers win. We mentioned, again, the line last I looked. Tigers favored by 21 and a half. Uh, it is really remarkable, to be honest with you, how close, when you put the two side by side, the first five seasons for Penny Hardaway are to the first five seasons for one John Calipari. Now, I'm not making this case to tell you that it's about to take off for Penny uh, here in the way that it did for John Calipari in year six, who by year six, it was Elite Eight, 33 and four. Year right. seven, 33 and four, another Elite Eight. Then you go NCAA runner up, although we know, you know the NCAA doesn't acknowledge it, whatever. You were there. You lost to Kansas in a game that you, you should have won, and then a Sweet 16. But get this in the first five years from what I added up. Cal was 114 and 55 mm-hmm. through his first five. Penny Hardaway through first five, 111 and 52. Again, 114 55. 111 and 52, remarkably similar. The two NCAA tournament appearances that Cal had had one win. Penny's got the same thing. Two NCAA tournament appearances last year felt like you were oh so close to a Sweet 16 tournament appearance. You don't get it. You're in that 8 9 game and you're pulling that FAU team yeah. that ends up beating you. Um, you lose that one. Both had an NIT championship by this point, but this here, here's this is where it absolutely took off for Cal. Again, at yeah. this point, but and and we've said, you know, there, there's a lot to like in terms of what Penny Hardaway has gotten done here in the first five seasons at Memphis, and more so than than you know how close they were on the court last year to a possible run of the Sweet 16. Everything else, it's really in watching him grow over the five years. If you've watched him closely, uh, even as Penny Hardaway came in, there were questions about him. We knew he was a fantastic talent evaluator. We knew he was a fantastic talent getter. But what happens once you get the talent? And it's different, obviously, on the high school level when you can throw all that talent out there and out-talent most teams in terms of winning state titles, those kinds of things, especially when you got six, seven Division One players on your team. It's different when you get to college. We know that. We said it going in, and Penny Hardaway clearly has learned that. The other thing that's changed is just the state of college basketball itself. 
when Penny Hardaway comes in, the uh, the transfer portal, the NIL, this free agency world that we're living in, th- this wasn't the case. And so Penny has gone from I remember he starting freshman that first year when that the, remember the old Tubby crew that sure. after a while those seniors everything else weren't Penny threw out freshman that first yeah. year. What has Penny learned over this five years? I want to go older, right? I want to build a roster a different way. I want to go out and get a a, a point guard who. You know, dominates mm-hmm. games in terms of from a floor general standpoint. Last two years, you had Kendrick Davis. Now you go out and add Javon Quinley. You can see how, with his experience through these years, he's shifted off relying on young NBA talent. Uh, NBA talent, yes, but unproven at the college level mm-hmm. and moving now toward this world of college basketball that's got older. I'll bring these transfers in. We'll learn on the fly in terms of chemistry and go that route. You can see the change. Yes. He's adapted. Yes. As he's come in, and it's not just the things, the uh, the the accomplishments of the way he's put the team on the court. You've also seen it sort of in terms of gamesmanship, the way he's handled expectations. Very early on, when Penny comes in, wants all the smoke, can see a national title contender on the practice floor in terms of potential. W- what's he done since then? He's he's really kind of kind of pulled back, reined in the expectations. He'll always tell you that you know you're in it for AAC titles to get to the tournament and everything else. But the uh, we're out for all the smoke. Talk that that yeah. the the you know calling out Rick Barnes those kinds of things which Penny has come back and says he now regrets you you've seen him mm-hmm. adapt again to college basketball and even the gamesmanship of it and so if you're looking at Penny through the first five years and comparing them to uh, what's arguably I mean I, I you know I guess you could compare him to Gene Bartow I would call Cal the most successful coach uh, in Tigers basketball history the foundation is the yeah. same yeah yeah in Mark- terms of in terms of what you've built the first five years and that the 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 fact is. I mean, Cal, you could make a case that through those first five, he was coming off of an NI, another NIT run going into year six. Whereas, again, Penny is coming off of a close call where you felt like, oh, man, you were so close to making a Sweet 16 run. You could almost argue that in terms of trajectory and feeling around the program that it's better right now yes, in terms yes. of what Penny's built. Because, again, Penny ain't coming off of an NIT run. Um, but clearly, to take it to the next level, which ultimately, you know, Penny has talked about that is the that that is the ultimate goal is to have Memphis competing for national championships. Um, this season, this first first thirteen games, going to be all so critical. Penny has said it. the 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 season really is here. When you're talking about the eighteen games in your conference schedule, you've got the two with FAU, and there really ain't much there. We could sit up here and parse through and go through. Oh well, let's hope Wichita State has a decent season, or, or Tulane and old Ron Hunter. Th- those teams aren't going to be top 60 likely Ken Palm type teams. This year in the non-conference, you've got those set up. Um, I was reading from a Parth's piece uh, over at the Daily Memphian, uh, a Tigers beat writer over there does a fantastic job. We had him on last week. Six top 60 Ken Palm teams in your non-conference schedule you're currently slated to face, and you could get another one if you can advance in that battle for Atlantis again uh, uh, to the championship game. You could get North Carolina or Villanova or Texas Tech, all of those teams in the top 60 of Ken Palm. Why does that matter, Jason? Why do you keep pointing to top 60 teams? Well, those are the resume games. Those are the games that, if you can win them, will get you out of that 8-9 slot that Memphis has found itself in now for the last couple of years, whereas 
Brad, if you win, you're facing a number one seed, Gonzaga, two years ago, or uh, 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 or you're 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 getting bounced, um, or yep. you're or you're getting a bad matchup is what I what I should have said. Like last year, where you're facing an FAU team that, frankly, you shouldn't be facing in the first round. Both of you guys are too good, really, to be in an eight nine spot. So how do you get out of that spot? Hell, you'd be better being being in the seven ten game, to be honest with you, being a ten seed than you are the eight or nine seed. How do you get out? It's the way that Penny Hardaway. Uh, this team navigates these first 13 games, again, with six right now top 60 Ken Palm teams. Last year, Memphis went 10-3 and three in its non-conference schedule. Now, you look at this schedule, you say, man, 10-3, and three, that should be enough with this year's schedule to get us out of that 8-9 game. You faced, t- you faced five teams last year that were top 60 at Ken Palm. VCU, Seton Hall, Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M. You went 3-2 and two in those games, and what did it get you? Got you in the 8-9 game. So, so again, a little bit tougher schedule here, but know that you know nine and four uh, 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 through this, or 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 if you went eight and five through this, is not going to get you likely out of that eight nine game. You, you 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 frankly, you need to go ten and three or better to assure yourself. Uh, right now, the darling of the conference and the darling it feels like of Jay Billis and everybody else in NCAA in college basketball is FAU. They're getting the benefit of the doubt. They're ranked 10 going into the season. You were literally a bad call, a, a, a non-timeout call away from beating them last year. They're getting the benefit of the doubt going into this season. You are not. And if I'm Penny Hardaway, I love that. I'll be honest with you. I love the fact that we're, we're not ranked going into the season, that we don't have, at least from a national standpoint, these huge expectations because what can I do, Brad? I can easily play this. We're, we're, uh, they're, they're, they're overlooking us. We're the underdog. And frankly, it's probably where Memphis needs to be. Not, not, not worried about the kind of same place as the Grizzlies. Not worried about the smoke or anything else, but just worried about going out and tackling this non-conference season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.